Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les James, and I am here with my co-host, Sean McMenamin. This week, Sean and I are discussing quick wins and low-hanging fruit, how to recognize the need, and when to use them. So with that, let's start the show. Sean, how are you doing today? Good, Les. How are you this fine Wednesday? This fine, fine Wednesday. Uh, doing fine. We're starting to get our California weather tomorrow. <laughs> okay, in Texas, yeah. It's, uh, we're going to start warming up again, actually, this, this weekend. So that's, that's kind of nice how it, how it uh, rolls like the waves. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. It gets cool, it gets warm. So last week, we talked about what we were uh, planning on doing for the next quite a few episodes of our, of our podcast, and we're kind of circling back around and starting at the front of the business and kind of uh, going uh, a little bit deeper into the process and, and trying to give people some guidance on uh, ways and areas that they can work in and function. And last week, we, uh, we talked about... I just drew a blank. What did we talk about last week? Oh. The, the environment. Yes, the environment and gap analysis. Exactly. Thank you, thank you. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about quick wins and low-hanging fruit. So, uh, quick wins, that's pretty easy. I think everybody can, in their mind, figure out what a, what a quick win might be, but I wonder why the word low-hanging fruit Right. Well, and you asked what I was going to say. Are they are they both the same thing? They might be. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know there's been more thought on on these phrases, you know, in the business community, looking at um, how operations are in organizations, you know, low hanging fruit. One of the things that I heard about low hanging fruit um, is is, you know, it's there. It's there because you weren't paying attention to the overall process. Uh huh. So, so if you have low hanging fruit, okay, there's a, there's a bigger systematic process. So, so should you go get that, you know, low hanging fruit or, or a quick win? I think, I think the reason that they're, they're labeled differently is because a quick win is, is a um, first step in a, in a plan for process improvement. So when you have a, when you have a process improvement overall plan as a, as a, as you know, maybe part of your strategy, um, to better your organization, a, a quick win kind of shows the team that, Hey, we can go do something as a group, purposefully think about it, get it done. And then it's off the table and we are one step ahead. Okay. All right. Okay. So when you, when, when you have people that talk about it as low hanging fruit, you kind of have to be careful because, to me, low-hanging fruit, it sounds like you go grab that, not in an organized fashion. In my opinion, what you do in your in your operations for process improvement should always be organized and planned. Low-hanging fruit, if you can just tell somebody to go over there and flip a switch or you know buy a new light bulb or whatever it is, and that's and that will help you get to that next step, okay, fine, you should do it, but you should understand it as as, hey, that's a win in our in our progress to the ultimate goal. Okay. I think that's that, my opinion. Yeah, no, and I, I like the way you separated the two. I've never really thought about uh, uh, never really thought about the, the difference between quick wins and low-hanging fruit uh, quite that way. I usually think of them as being uh, a little bit closer together in 
in process reasons as to why you would use one or the other. Um, other than uh, quick wins, um, I usually think of those as being something that a single person can run off and go do, get done and come back, you know, and say, hey, this is done. Um, you know, in that if you're sitting in a in a in a weekly meeting, let's say with your team, and you're going through different ideas, you know, you might come across a scenario where you say, you know, hey, if we just put a chain on this piece of equipment, it'll run fine and, and we'll be good to go and we can go on to the next project. That to me is a quick win. Go get the chain, buy the chain, put it on, get it going, and move forward. You don't have to do any sort of process improvement activity or anything like that, but you removed a, a stumbling block or a barrier to moving forward. So that's how I think of quick wins. Well, I, I agree. And with with what you're saying, I just want to go a little deeper into okay. into what does quick win mean? Is it, it to me just to cut to the chase? Sure. The planning part of it is not necessarily quick. The understanding of what should be done and the actual activity can be quick. But I would I would caution people to think and who's making the decision then on the team okay yeah that's a good thing go do it so if you if you do things too quickly without thinking of the, the bigger picture yeah you might be getting a quick win that doesn't advance you to your goal oh it could it could be a, you know what, what's considered a quick win there goes the air quotes. totally agree totally agree yeah. i think that there are chances where a quick win might have to be undone i, I don't i don't necessarily think I don't necessarily think I don't necessarily think quick wins can always be a good idea. Well, but the thing is, anything you do should be a good idea as long as you think through it. And, and it's fine to to take to take one step ahead uh-huh. to then to then take two steps back to get five steps ahead. If that's what your plan is, right? Then I think that's a fine idea. If, if if getting five steps ahead is your goal, and you have to do it that you know that little dance, that little dance routine that I just said, <laughs> then then fine. As long as you understand what the ramifications are, what the costs are, what the, the resource loading is, okay. You know, to try to, to try to really put the um, language to what we're doing here. So so. I think this is a good topic, and, and uh, you know, you and I talked a little bit beforehand. I was like, "All right, quick wins. It all depends on what kind of situation you're in." But I think sure. it can go. I think it can go deep into into what it all means to try to gain advances on your overall process improvement by talking about quick wins. And, and but I, I still maintain that that it has to be thought through. With putting a chain, not to you know, not to hammer your example here, but putting a chain on a piece of equipment. It's the right thing to do. Somebody can go do it tomorrow. That's good. But okay, what kind of chain? Where'd we get it? Everything like that. Not to not to you know think too hard so that you're in analysis paralysis, but understand that okay. Well, if you put a chain there, well now you need a chain guard, and now you need this, now you need these other things. So that's where I think the danger is at. Is yeah. if you do overthink it too much, it's no longer a quick win. I think you fall out of the category of quick win. And I think you start to elevate to what I would consider now low-hanging fruit. So I think of these as levels. And I actually think there's one other level before this, and we haven't touched on it yet. I think of uh, uh, stroke of the pen as being another level in that literally that's a stroke of the pen is literally a, someone in their lofty chair literally signing off something to say, get it done. 
doesn't even mm-hmm. care how it's done. But I think of that in I think of this in a kind of a, a, a an inverted inverted pyramid scenario where you know you got stroke of the pen at the bottom, you got quick wins that are next, and then you've got low hanging fruit which is next, and then after that you get into larger process improvement activities and things like that. But our discussion is on those those first two or three items, and I think that there's goods and bads with each of the decisions. I don't think for it to work, I don't think you can say, well, we can't do we can't do stroke of the pins because you need to put a little more planning into it or you might cause problems. Well, now it's no longer stroke of the pen. Now it well, may be quick wins. Well, if you, if you put too much work into it and planning, now it's really low-hanging fruit. So that's how I kind of think of these levels. And I do think of each one of them as having a certain level of risk to them and that, that you are willing to accept knowing that in your mind – you're right. You still have this overall vision or picture of why you've done that or where you're going with it. Because obviously, stroke of the pin, somebody is not going to sign something unless they're unless they've thought about it at least. You know, they're not going to blindly just do something. There is some thought process as to why they would sign this big check and just say, "Hey, get this done," or sign this process off and say, "Hey, start doing this." So that's no, the way I think, I think of right. all three of them. Yeah, and you know what I like that, and I think it's I think it's something that uh, can be listed out and and understood in amongst you know your group that are performing the process improvement uh, activities or you know or whatever whatever area that you're trying to um, increase throughput of productivity. Um, but I, I think you did say it there. The the and, and I think that my, that was my only point. The action, mm-hmm. you know, the action is quick. The action is quick, stroke the pen. Right. Um, and I do agree that the risk is is directly, uh, let's see, is uh, inversely directional, inversely proportionate to the amount of planning and preparation. Agreed. Agreed. So it's inversely proportionate. So if you, if, it, if you don't think too much about it, your risk is going to be high. If you do yes. think a lot about it, your risk should be low. And then so, the, and so the, the further you're more, moving up that pyramid – well, yeah. The further you move up that pyramid, yeah, the more the more planning you're going to do, and the more risk um, mitigation that you're going to do, right? Because you're going to have more steps that will take you to finish the the ultimate goal. Exactly. So, you're doing more detail. You're involving more people. You know, things like that. So, I think there's positives and negatives to doing any three of those. And and of course, again. Let's make sure everybody is clear out there that we're really only talking about those three items, you know, stroke of the pen, quick wins, and low-hanging fruit. We're not talking about when then you branch into, out of that bubble, into, uh, you know, pure process improvement where you're either doing, you know, a full plan-do-check-act cycle or even a full demaic uh, cycle or an 8D process or any of those. We're not talking about those. Those kind of go up to an even higher level of structure, you know, so. And I would even say, going back to the comment that I made earlier about paying attention to the process and why do you have low-hanging fruit? Um, to me, to me, low-hanging fruit is, is something that you have to be careful when you, when you take care of whatever way that you need to take care of that low-hanging fruit, that you, you still do put in a process that prevents the low-hanging fruit from growing there again. 
Okay, so you know a tree, a tree, low hanging fruit. You always think of the fox grabbing the grapes, right? Jumping up and grabbing the grapes. Well, the tree learns that well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, grow grapes there anymore because this fox keeps on jumping up and grabbing them. I think that was a fairy tale or something. I was going to say I didn't know fox likes grapes. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, in my mind, I think there was a, a little kid's book, children's book that I read at one time, or something like that. But uh, that's funny. but anyway, that's that's the visual that I have in my mind. Everybody likes grapes. <laughs> anyway, um, so so the thing is, if if you end up with what is considered low hanging fruit, there is a a flaw in in your processes at that higher level that really have to be taken care of. Otherwise, otherwise, items that you would consider low hanging fruit will regenerate. You know so, what I mean? Yes, I do. I think. Let me give you an example of something that I dealt with just today. Um, working on reformalizing our quoting process and the entry of a quote in our, in, into our environment. I made it to where the quote now has to come through me as a single point of contact, and then I figure out from there who it should go to in our, our environment and decide on the processes. But that is not my end solution. That is my solution right now to kind of help uh, figure out what the solution should ultimately be. So that's where that's an example of something that I would think of as uh, uh, kind of a, a low hanging fruit because we did, you know, we did pull a couple people together and we kind of talked about, you know, why we should do this and what was the purpose, you know, and was it the end game? No, it's not the end game, but is it important right now? We kind of mapped it out, make sure it would work. And so we we did a little bit of work to it, and that's why I would consider it a low-hanging fruit aspect. But it's it's not a full solution, and it's not the end solution, and we already know that. Right, and you you consider it a low-hanging fruit because the process improved such that the quote system now is faster or is more accurate? There's a, a, a quality level and an improvement level that's now built into it. So with, with yeah, through me having me in there, I can now kind of have a better understanding of how quotes come into the environment, what we typically see when quotes come into the environment, and uh, start to figure out ways to mitigate that. But that's not what I want the end solution to be. But to kind of figure out that end solution, I kind of had to set that up, and it took us. You know, we spent forty-five minutes working on this. We got something in place. We're going to, you know, try it out for a little while, see how it goes, you know, because they were saying, oh, I'm not so sure you're going to want all these emails you're going to start receiving. Okay, but let me let me find that out. I said, give them all to me. And then if it, it turns into a fire hydrant, I'll say, okay, time out. Let's stop here, you know, or something like that. But I consider that process we just went through a low-hanging fruit process because we knew what we had at the moment was not working at all. It was very broken. But to get from point A to point B was going to take us way too long because none of us really totally understand what the end solution needs to look like. So it was best to kind of it was best to kind of come up with this intermediate solution, quick solution, get it going, understand it better, and then circle back around. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And, and one thing that I thought about is it's very interesting that you use that example here. And, I, and I'm glad you did because we already talked about, um, you know, looking at the business environment when you have when you, you're looking for process improvement or you're new to an organization. Well, what did you just do? You just said, OK, 
I need to fully understand and get get in the middle of this. So, so to understand the, the environment and the process, you have to get in the middle of it, which you're right, should not be the solution. No. It should not be, yeah, right? No. Because, I mean, that, uh-uh. that, that, but the thing is you have to feel the pain. I, I wonder why, I wonder why, and in any organization, I see the same thing where I am and where I have been in the past, that you, you really have to understand by, by inserting yourself in the middle in order to fix it. Yes, you so do. How, how is it that people that are in the, in the process doing their day-to-day jobs can't rise up and say, listen, this has to be done better? Well, but do you think the problem is because they are in the process and, and one, they either become numb to it or uh, you know, they need that second set of eyes to actually you know, that neutral set of eyes that hasn't been in it to actually recognize that there's something going wrong? Well, here's I mean, something that I'm thinking about is, uh, is, that, is that quick wins and low-hanging fruit for the individual is much different than those same concepts for the organization. Oh, you're, you might be right. Right, because think about it. If, if people have a way of doing something, they've already, they've already skimmed off whatever will make them more productive, at least in their own eyes or maybe to their individual boss, but not in the grand scheme of things. Right. So, so, um, and, and, and I'll say, you know, cause I, I did the same thing. I did the same thing here where I have to sign all personal whether it's going to go to, um, the local, the local, uh, Granger shop or right. the local, um, supply house up to larger things. I, I've got to see it because I need to feel the pain as to, as to why things are either not getting ordered or, or we're ordering too much. Um, there's there's issues with me now. I'm holding some back because I say I don't think I need it. I don't know. I don't yeah. know for sure. And then I, I kind of have to push and say, okay, well, why do we need these things? I get I get good reasons sometimes, and then I get reasons that that's the way we've always done it. We've maintained a stocking level of ten. Well, if we're not going to use ten, then let's not buy any. Well, and I think and we'll that, see what happens. And I and I think that by having that neutral party in the in the middle of the process, you have a better chance of coming up with uh, more interesting solutions. Nice way of putting it to the problem. Um, and I use the word interesting because they may or may not be good solutions, but they're definitely solutions that people need to ponder. Uh, and say, oh, I never really thought about that, you know, because if you get that second set of eyes in there that hasn't been doing it for the past, you know, 10 years, you know, they, you know, they, they kind of go, why didn't you just do this? Well, I don't know. I've kind of told to do it this way, <laughs> you know, well, and you know, what? I think that's, that's one of the major items in a job description of a, of a leader is chief question asker. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like that. You're, you're the chief question asker, and and what will that do? But that'll that'll root out the items that can go as quick wins and low hanging fruit. Why do we do it this way? Why do we do it that way? And then if you're in a position, which if you're the leader, if you're in a position, you can say, okay, I understand what you're saying. I understand your pain. I understand the the process across you know my little area of organization. Change it, and that's that. That there is a good to me a good way of understanding how to get a quick win. Okay. So I think that one of the other things you just brought up just a second ago, and it made me think of something else, was was the difference between how employees perceive uh, quick wins and low-hanging fruit and the, the difference between how leadership uh, mm-hmm. sees qu- quick wins and low-hanging fruit. I think really what the goal 
should be for the organization is what lean leads you into, which is Kaizen, which is, you know, doing something and making a change every day. That really is quick wins and low-hanging fruit, but getting the employees to do that, that's kind of the next level of, of empowerment and, and people understanding that, you know, hey, instead of just being in the environment, I can also work on the environment. You know, I don't always have to just be doing what they tell me to do. I should have an avenue for elevating and raising something that could be a quick win or low-hanging fruit, which is what they in Lean World call Kaizen, and actually make some changes throughout the day that would make things better. You know, if yes. you do, and if, the theory with that is, is if you make lots of those little changes, they accumulate into bigger changes. You know, and, bigger improvements and stuff in the environment. Right. And it's incumbent upon management and leadership to make sure that each employee understands the ultimate goal. Yeah. And the thing that you have to watch is that people are making changes so that their life is better while they, you know, right. kind of put a roadblock in somebody else's process. Right. You've got to have so, some checks and balances. You're exactly right. You can't just yeah. let people just go rogue, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> but you, But the flip side of that is a lot of employees don't even recognize or realize that they can at least make suggestions and then – and then be involved in those suggestions, not just give the suggestion and walk away, but then be involved. And again, that's another way to lead towards, well, how, how does the organization make changes? And you start empowering people and you say, hey, that sounds like a good idea. Can you give me a plan on that? Or that sounds like a good idea. Let's make that change tomorrow and let me know how it goes. Yeah. You know, So I think that you're right. The leader does have to have a large overall picture so that you know, you're know you not stepping on your toes in every which direction. But if you can get employees to start down that path, then, again, you're making that next cultural leap towards you know, the environment uh, all, always moving forward mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and bettering and, themselves. And, and, and talk about a cultural aspect of this. You have to make sure that when, when you – Ask them for their help, their input, you know, a plan on something that it's not a punishment for coming up with an idea. Yeah. So it's got to be it's got to be a good thing and encouraged that, you know, when, when you come up with an idea, like you said, you can't just fire it over the fence expecting somebody else to do it to benefit your life. You've got you've got to be ready to say, and I'm, you know, as, as the person with the idea, I'm ready to do whatever, whatever it takes, talk to people or, or whatever, build a document that makes my life easier as well as those that are doing the same job as I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, let's go ahead and go on into our picks of the week. Is it that time already? It is, man. It flew right by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this was a good. This was a very good topic. I uh, I, I liked this one. Um, I'll uh, go ahead and start with my uh, pick of the week. Mine is HubSpot, uh, which is a website that I'm trying out for managing uh, customer relationship uh, information. So it's a CRM tool. And uh, the nice thing about it is just for the CRM part, it's free. Uh, So you can load in customers, you can load in contacts, and you can load in deals. Uh, You can even load other information. It's got a nice dashboard, feedback, um, things like that. I'm still trying it out, uh, but so far it is just worth its weight in the money I'm spending on it, which is 
my time, and I've already engaged a, a few other people to start trying it out. Um, CRMs are one of those tools that are uh, hated by most, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, is the ROI there, and you get into that whole debate, you know, data entry. One of the nice things about this tool, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this, is that it works very heavily off of URL information. So if you know a person's email or if you know their website, you can load that in, and it will populate most of the information for you. Yeah. Oh boy, yeah, that makes life easier. Yeah. Because you're right. CRM, and it is a shame that CRM and any other tool that is you know, software-based you know, on your computer, everybody likes the idea of having information on a computer or their handheld device but nobody wants to input data. Exactly. And if, you, and if you don't input data, you don't get you don't get the data and then the information out of it. And and that's the thing where management and leadership has to make sure that people understand that even though you know they're not getting the benefit, the people that are entering the data. Yeah. Management is getting the data. So how, how do you how do you bridge that gap? Maybe yeah. How do you convince them? This tool will even uh, uh, record phone messages with customers if you need to. It'll record the texts. Uh, if you need to. Uh, so you can actually see a timeline of when somebody contacted a customer, how often they've been contacting a customer, uh, what was the conversation with the customer. Uh, you know, I've been reading a lot of uh, articles on sales percentages and what it takes to get a customer. And, yeah. you know, if you if you touch a customer only once or twice, your chance of actually selling something to them is very, very small. You know, it takes multiple times. It takes... You know certain uh, information and capabilities before that customer actually turns into somebody that you can turn into a, you know, a true uh, win for you. Yeah, actually, we had sales training years and years ago. John Asher, uh-huh. he's a guy out of Maryland. He he did sales training, and and I, one of the things that I do remember, two things that I remember: you got two ears and one mouth, mm-hmm. so listen twice as much as you talk. Yep. And then uh, the other thing was that you have to touch a customer. I think he said thirteen to sixteen times yeah. to actually to actually get anywhere. Yep. Yeah. So what's your pick this week? Yeah, uh, my pick is not software or book related, like we were talking <laughs> earlier. You, you can only, I can only read a book so fast, and uh, I don't <laughs> search the web for these software programs that you do. Well, yeah. I, I gain a lot from that. <laughs> uh, I go back to my my other hobby and in taking pictures, and there's a. Uh, a service uh, called whitewall.com, and it, it works real well with uh, printing your, your pictures from your digital device, whether it's your camera, your phone, or whatever. But uh, you can put it on different different types of backgrounds, like aluminum or, or uh, acrylic or paper. Imagine that. Regular Imagine paper. Imagine paper. They still yeah. use paper. <laughs> yeah, still use paper. So uh, anyway, I, I would I would give them a shot if you if you take pictures and you like uh, nice printouts. Okay. Well, that's all we've got this week. I hope everybody enjoys uh, this podcast, and we will talk to you all next week. Thank you, and have a good day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man vs. Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week.